You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, your host. I'm joined by Jacoby Gaylord. Yes, you are. This is episode number 100 of the podcast. Mm, okay, okay, little soundboard action. Mama, we made it. <laughs> I never I never thought this day would come, but it, it finally did. Do you think you're uh, cool enough for Josh Josh Bomar to jump on now? Or That's true. That he, he, he did say one... Did he say 100? Was that what he said? No, he said like like 40 or 50 or something like that. Well, the thing is, is I did hit... So, backstory, I tried to get Josh Bomar on the podcast, Bomar Bowhunting, and he told me he wanted to make sure that I was taking it seriously. I did hit him up after like the 50th episode, and it was like red. I was like, dang. Mm, it's fine. It's fine. Probably too busy lifting or something. <laughs> get, <laughs> no. getting, getting huge. Uh, getting yoked. No, no sorry. I'll just uh, I'll hit up Bosch Jomar. And maybe there we go. On. His arch nemesis. <laughs> or Cameroon hands. <laughs> uh... You guys got to see all these parody accounts on Instagram. Look up Bosch Jomar. Mm. Bosch, I think, is, uh, I think it's, he's banned, but Cameroon Haynes might still be on there. Is he still on there? Hmm. Cameroon well, was my favorite. <laughs> I don't think I, I looked at that one, but I, I, I know for sure you did send me the, uh, the Bosch Jomar account. It was awesome. I loved that account so much. I'm sad that it's gone. But, anyways, we've been, oh, no, no, before we get into this. We're going to talk about map scouting. We're going to talk about our public land 101 mini series. But we do we do have some some plans that we need to discuss before before we get into that topic. What would that be? Well, you know, it's dead heat of the summer. Uh, we got 4th of July vacation coming up. I've got a bunch of weddings to go to, so it's time to do some scouting. You would think. Dude, I don't understand. Like, I was thinking about this today. Uh, I don't understand summer. Like, I think the only good thing about summer is... Because you ask your wife or your girlfriend or something about it, and you know, what's your favorite season? What are they going to say? I love summertime. I love the heat. And it's just like, go spend eight hours outdoors when it's 93 degrees. See how you like it. Well, I don't, I hate, I hate the summer because you, it's I, don't pointless. Even like go, I don't even like going outside. None of the activity. I'm not a water sports. I suck at water sports. I don't like swimming. Dude, when I liked fishing, it was fun. But other than that, no, summer's, summer's a joke. It's a waste of time in my opinion. I mean, It'd be pointless unless you're like trying to bank fish and bank fishing ain't even that fun. You want to go hop in the boat? Sure. Give me a little bit of that gas money. <laughs> I think it's funny because it's like you have to do your scouting in the summer for deer, but it's also a hundred degrees. So it's like, it's like God's laughing at us that uh, we have to get out and put our cameras out. He's like, enjoy you gotta that pay one. your dues. You got to pay your dues. The land knows when you don't pay your dues for sure. For sure. So, uh, speak, speaking of that, what do we got going on this weekend? Headed to Kansas. Going to put out, put out some cameras, hopefully. Maybe spend the night in a uh, roached-in $50 motel on Friday. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see. That's TBD. But going to put out our cameras. I mean, since I live 10 hours away from the spot where we're putting out our cameras, this is probably going to be my only trip to Kansas this year to put out cameras until we go hunt up there, which TBD, if that's going to be September, October, for sure, November. 
but no, we got to, we got to go hunt some of that, those nice, uh, ag, that ag land. It's no more mountain mm-hmm. deer, no more hunting over corn piles. This is going to be the the real deal. The, this is real Midwestern hunting that we're about to do. Is it? Is it? Allegedly. Hmm. Well, about to find out, I guess. About to find out. I hope it's not 105 degrees like it is here in Texas right now. Uh, so now I could just be dumb, but I think Texas heat and like Oklahoma heat are two different animals, right? So Texas heat, you have that. It's almost like a dry heat, right? It's like, how do I explain this? Uh, so I think the key factor is humidity. It can be 93 here and I feel like I'm absolutely going to die. But when we were golfing uh, in Austin or near Austin, what is it, Georgetown? Yeah. Yeah. When we were golfing there, it was like in the hundreds, and it's just like, you know, it isn't that bad. I can tell I'm hot, but I didn't realize I was getting sunburned. Well, I feel like that's different from the Oklahoma heat. I could be wrong. I'm not no meteor- meteorologist, but I guarantee you I could probably uh, do a better job forecasting the weather than them. So That's true. It definitely is different having lived both places for multiple years here it's like i it's just you kind of feel like you're in an oven you're like i'm getting baked i can feel my skin turning colors but in oklahoma it kind of feels like you're like in a swamp like you're wading oh, through yeah. water like you just cannot you can't you literally stay dry. open the door in the morning and like to go outside or even if like like you're you're off work and you're like oh i gotta go take trash out you open the door you feel that hot air enter your lungs and it's just like never mind it can stay in here and like leak on the floor for all i care yeah <laughs> we say all that to say that the yeah. summer scouting is i enjoy it afterwards it's not fun during well kind of like you say like uh your camera's doing the work for you you just got to put that initial effort in and then after that it's just like next time you go check that camera if it's not stolen and if the sd card's actually in it uh it's like christmas morning so it is you know it's a lot it's easier going out in the 100 degree heat checking them than it is putting them out like the For first sure. time you're like, we got to get through this. The second time I'm like, well, at least uh, at least we get a little reward while we're sitting yeah. there suffering. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Well, that's uh, well. Besides the Kansas thing, me and Carol, Carol uh, secured the the Southwest Oklahoma lease, mm. so we got to go put some cameras up there, and we're all locked in, ready to go. Kansas and Oklahoma are about to get to work this year. Hopefully, God willing, Lord willing. <laughs> well we've been going through a multiple part series uh we called it public land 101 uh, the mini series and so far we've talked about hunting ethics and we've talked about how to identify a piece of public how to find a piece of public land and how to read regulations so you make sure you're legal and you're not walking off public in a set of handcuffs but <laughs> I've, I've seen it uh, so This week, we're going to talk about how to map scout public land. Anyways, we're going to be starting a new series on the podcast. I think it was going to be seven or eight weeks, and we're going to call it Public Land Hunting 101. And kind of the goal with the series is we're going to take you from start to finish of what it takes to hunt whitetail deer on public land. A look into the other topics that we're going to discuss, and these aren't necessarily in any order But we're going to also, with hunting ethics, we're going to talk about map scouting, uh, finding a piece of land and understanding regulations, boots on the ground scouting, trail camera strategy, and time for the hunt, what to expect, what to bring, those sort of things. So it's going to be a multi-week series, 
and we're going to hopefully cover all you guys need to know start to finish on how to hunt whitetail on public land. There's also some things that there's a limitation of map scouting that people don't talk about quite a bit, so we're going to talk about that too. And what but, would that be? Nope, nope, not getting into it right okay. now. Okay, we'll, I thought we'll we just wanted to jump right time. into it. No. For, we're going to talk about three things. One is why map scouting matters. Two is what to look for when you're map scouting. And then at the end, we're going to touch a little bit about 3D map scouting and kind of how that's changed the game a little bit. But mm. so I hate using the word game changer. I'm taking that back. How that, um, how that map, and wealth of knowledge will never yeah, use this. Sorry. Take back game changer. How 3D map scouting helps. I'm going to say, you. leave it at that. Uh, so how it can gonna, give you the advantage, the hunter's advantage. Hunter's advantage. Ooh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So talking about why map scouting matters, Jake, why don't you kick us off and talk about how you make a big property a lot less overwhelming by implementing map scouting? Well, Christian, uh, what I do, (laughs) so how to make a big property, I guess, less overwhelming. Uh, So let's say you got a 40,000 acre piece. Well, you kind of got to think you're not going to be able to cover all that 40,000 acres. I don't care if you spent every day out there during the summer scouting. You're not going to learn every little nook and cranny of that, of that place. So a good way to do it is by trying to identify where you think bucks are going to be. And that's in very simplistic terms. Uh, you can dive and talk about stuff like that until you're blue in the face. But you can talk about like uh, kind of where to hunt until you're blue in the face. What do you kind of look for whenever you're, you know, trying to trying to pick out a place to hunt? Well, we're going to talk about that in depth. But I think just I, just to make my point, the the general things. Oh, general things. Well, number one, I'd be looking for diversity, and then mm-hmm. two, I'd be looking for how can I meet, move to a place where I can alleviate some of the hunting pressure. Once you've map scouted enough and you've put time on the ground, you can start to you can start to know kind of how people are going to hunt the property exactly so with with those things in mind you can you can pretty much like let's say that there's a forty thousand acre piece you can pretty much wipe out 80 percent of that and then you can focus on those areas and so i don't know if you want to transition into what you were saying no i'm going to save the uh what to look for for the second section but but so we make sure that we talk about why it matters i think that is one of the biggest pieces what you said about making a big property a lot less overwhelming uh, overwhelming, and narrowing it down to the huntable acres. But there's a few more reasons that I think map scouting matters, and I kind of wanted to just list them off. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you a better look at the property before you step foot on it. And in this Biden economy, which we keep talking about every single episode, <laughs> gas yeah. is not cheap. Used to be no, when gas not. was $2 a gallon, it's no big deal to jump in the truck and go. We still complained about it, but mm-hmm. the but thing is, we didn't know how good we had it. We did not know. I promise you, the next time gas is two dollars a gallon, I will never complain about the <laughs> But um, you don't uh, want to spend. You have limited weekends away. You don't want to spend your gas, um, and you don't want to spend your time if you haven't map scouted beforehand. Because we can narrow down it to a sir a much smaller piece um, to actually put boots on the ground. But another one that I wanted to touch on, which we talked about just a little bit, was helping you gauge pressure from other hunters. And I feel like this is one that we've done quite a bit. We kind of have a rule where we don't hunt 
a certain distance from the road or a certain distance from the entry of the place. Mm-hmm. So whether it has one entry or multiple entry points, you kind of know that people are going to take the easiest route. Have you have you seen that to be true? Uh, yeah, and to be honest, I don't blame them. <laughs> uh, kind of where we hunt, it's it, it's pretty mountainous and pretty thick in some instances, and so but you really can't get a good grasp of this from just like map scouting standpoint you can kind of assume where there's probably going to be more pressure uh, than others. But if you can see, like, I think the way Onyx has it, if if it's a solid line that you see, that's uh, that's accessible to the public from a motor vehicle. And if it's a dotted line, that's accessible to the public, but just from, like, either walking or if, if I guess, those little e-bikes are uh, legal in those WMAs, I guess that could that could be thrown in the mix, but for the most part, uh, just, just the normal average Joe, they're going to be using their Lamborghinis. by looking at the map. You can kind of, you know, maybe tell, okay, look, this is uh, a vehicle access point. It stops here. This is where, where it goes into the dotted line, you know, the walk-in only. And you could kind of assume like if there's a parking area, there's probably going to be a bit higher pressure of people. That's a good point. I, I think what we always assume and this is probably a good practice for most people to take in. I guess we'll we'll learn more when we go to Kansas and kind of see how this is, too, is if there's a parking spot, I always assume someone is going to be there. And mm-hmm. I I set my maps, my scouting, and my hunting strategy around that. I do not like to be in places where parking spots are going to be because they're obviously going to pick up more pressure. And you can tell that on a map. Hey, there's a road, and it looks like there's a gate here. Well, plan on somebody being there when you show yeah. up to scout and everybody has different rules on that, but we like to be away from those places. So would you consider that your number one priority when being away from people, when looking at the map and like trying to, trying to decide a spot to just go boots on the ground, check out, is that your number one priority? Where would you list that in a thing? One to 10. Avoiding human intrusion, human pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just getting away from, from the general public. It probably would be my number one priority. Be your number if one. I, if I had to pick one, because I would rather hunt a good a a area that would that I would rate a seven, um, with no people in it, than an area that I would rate a ten with one or two people somewhat near me. No, that's a, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, I'd I rather agree. hunt an average spot with no pressure than an above average spot with pressure. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have like cumulative pressure, right? Draw hunts, people coming in week after week after week. That stuff's going to happen. But I'd rather hunt a place that is un- virtually untouched and is worse. No, I, I agree. So I, consider that when you guys are looking at your map. That's something that we consider before ever stepping foot on the property. And then one thing I also wanted to talk about and kind of set expectations before we get into what to look for is... Maps do not tell the whole story. And just like trail cameras don't, you know, you can have decent pictures on your camera and then go in there and kill a buck and be like, man, I was never getting this buck on camera. What the <laughs> heck? This is crazy. But same thing with a map. Um, it doesn't tell the whole story. You think you can figure it all out. And we've got these, I s- scroll through YouTube all the time. And we've got like map, these so-called map scouting experts. I think that's total baloney. You, you can't become an, you can become an expert at finding spots where deer could be good areas, good areas. Right. But saying, 
I can look on this map and that's the tree that I'm going to be in on opening day without, without ever stepping foot on the place. I, I call total bull on people that say that that's, cr- that's stupid to me. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I agree. So just take that with a grain of salt when you're going to map scout, when you're map scouting, you're looking for areas. You're not looking for places or individual trees to hunt. You're looking for good areas to spend your time with boots on the ground. So with that, what to look for. When you're looking on your phone or your computer, I would always recommend looking at a bigger screen if you can. (laughs) But let's talk about some basic uh, terrain features that we cannot start to identify on a map. Jake, we always talk about deer being creatures of edge. Mm -hmm. In your mind, what is an edge? An edge is... No, uh, in in all honesty, so where we hunt, we have uh, these big old pine thickets, right? So this would be where the end of these pine thickets meet these tall heck i don't know what they are blue stem I, I, no clue this this tall grass call them native grass yes so this is so obviously it's a defined edge you got this thick pine stand that has very little understory and then you have just 10 yards away it leads into where it has no canopy and very sparse trees to a very thick uh, stem count of these tall native grasses that are like they're like chin high, so I would I, I would say those are that would be where the edges of each one, the tall grass and then the edge of the pine thicket, and it also could be like that uh, with water, even if you know there's ah uh, sort of kind of what would you call that if if let's say you have a pine thicket. And then you have a creek running through it, and then on the other side, that's a pine thicket. Would you would you consider that an edge? It could be. It's. I mean, yeah, I I think you could. I just call that mm-hmm. a creek. For yeah, in most well, instances, but no, I'm trying to get technical here. But okay. yeah, well, I, I I just think the the good a good point on the edges were two differing pieces of hit. So hardwood hits a field, and that could be like different in Oklahoma. That could <laughs> yeah. be. Uh, you know, a, a clear cut anywhere, right? A a pine, like you're saying, a pine thicket uh, with a hayfield or just a native grass field. Or in Kansas, mm-hmm. it could be um, an oak flat with next to a cornfield, right? And deer, from our experience, and I think you'll hear this from a lot of different people, always you they love to use those edges because they can quickly be in two different habitats. Right. And they can jump from absolutely. I am I'm safe in the timber to now I'm eating corn oh but i see something out in the field that i don't like i can immediately jump back over and be they safe the again. best of both worlds the best of both worlds they're edge creatures and they use those edges to travel so if you now, ever see go ahead oh i was gonna say uh that's not saying that they couldn't be in the dead center you know middle of the pine thicket right uh i think i think the only way you would be really doing that is if like uh it was kind of mountainous and you got within like a little saddle uh, or or something like that, or down there, I think they bed everywhere. So maybe you found where they are more keen to bed at 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 that time of year. And so maybe, may I mean that's like the only only time I would just hunt, uh, like in in the midst of of like a one. I don't know how you'd say that. Not edges. Yeah. For the most part, we try to hunt edges. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure. So, and I think it's our, I think that strategy is something that you can take most places in the country and so get it done. Would, 
would you rank that as number two edges or or do you think something else would would no we, for that we have we have the number one rule that we're going to talk about later it's going to be mm, that's going to okay, be my yeah. second one besides pressure but so we talked about an edge next we're going to talk about a terrain feature called a saddle and i'm going to let you cover that one jake and then i'm going to talk about uh, an oxbow an oxbow okay uh yeah so a saddle uh, you normally kind of get these in more mountainous areas. I would think, you know, y- you have the, where it leads like high elevation and it can drop down to low elevation in very short distance, right? Well, usually a saddle occurs. A good way of putting it, I think is, uh, where does a saddle go on, uh, on a horse, right? Between the neck, between the butt, the butt sets up higher than the back. The neck sets up higher than the back, Right. So you're in that little saddle. That's where you put the saddle on the horse, right in between. You know that that little flat spot, but it's it, it, it you know it's lower than uh, than the neck, and you know you kind of get what I'm saying. Just that little flat spot in between two elevated pieces, right? So I think that would be the best way to try to explain a saddle. But usually you find those like like midway in between like ridges and stuff like that. And for the most part, all that is, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's a, uh, oh, what do you call that? It's, so deer are just probably about as lazy as humans, right? And so if, when they travel on, on these, you know, these fluctuating elevation levels, this is probably, this is more than likely where they're going to be traveling to or through. They're going to be using this saddle to try to go to point A to point B around that around that ridge were you with uh peyton and i when i found that shed the first shed of our trip the Mm. little bitty four point side right after last year yeah right after jared found that really nice oh okay we're talking about shed hunting you were with justin you weren't with carol oh were were you walking somewhere else maybe yeah you were walking further down that's right well, I found that shed on a saddle or what I'd call like a bench. So you think about a table. Are you talking about that oak flat? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So you think about a table. The four legs of the table are all extending upwards, right? And when you get to the top of the table, it's completely flat for like a big piece of surface area. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I think about the benches or a saddle. And that's where I found that shed was there was like, two creek systems that like sort of surrounded this area and it kind of just propped up steady elevation climb. And then it was just flat on the top. And like you said, there was an Oak flat. And I think those areas are good, especially in mountainous territory because it gives the deers like legs a break from walking up and down and up and down. Mm -hmm. I don't think they may, I don't think they mind that, but if it was me back there and if we're talking about deer being, you know, they take the path of least resistance in a lot of ways too. Absolutely. I would I would want to walk on something that's kind of flat. That's kind of where I'd like to bed. That's kind of where I'd want to spend my time hanging out. So yeah, saddle well, is something to look for. To put another, I guess, example into that mix is that Booner spot where you shot at that one at seventy four. Mm-hmm. I shot my two in twenty twenty, and then Carol got a shot at that big seven, all in the same little. I'd consider that a saddle. Would you not? I mean, because it went. Yeah, I think so. From you know, super high elevation. And then it just kind of plateaued out. And dude, if you walked, you know, a hundred yards down that trail, it, it's a pretty damn steep drop off. And so like 
once you kind of like explore that area a little bit more, you understand why that spot had so much, so much traffic in it. Like, I mean, it, it was a honey hole and granted there, there were some other things that, that probably uh, helped it out a little bit. You know, it was about, about a two or three year, uh, year old clear cut stuff like that. But that's kind of beside the point on, on what we're saying, but yeah, I mean, just to throw another little example in there. Mm-hmm. Well, another, uh, so the last one that we're going to talk about, the last terrain feature would be an oxbow. And I've hunted many of oxbows, mainly in northern Oklahoma. And an oxbow is just going to be typically on a river system where the land or the river makes a U-shape in the terrain. So it's basically like, think of a C, like the letter C. And inside of that letter C is just a bunch of terrain. And I like those oxbows because a lot of times they can be fairly secluded and it usually gives the deer a a large amount of land where they can kind of work with. And it's usually the ones that I've hunted in have been a lot of, you have to walk in there quite a ways. They don't have easy access to them unless you're usually coming in by water. So oxbows are pretty neat and I've hunted a few of them and and had luck. I've heard of a lot of people hunting them. You ever hunted an oxbow? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, just to kind of clarify, I mean, because obviously if someone's been hunting long enough, uh, they're going to know what an oxbow is. It's called it's called something else. I forget. You did really well at, at, at describing like, you know, the letter C on on how on how significant that bend is. But I don't want it to get confused with just like any other bend along along creek system like this is like a hard, a hard like. Uh, oh, I don't know how to say it just a very significant bend, not just like one of those ones that just, that just kind of flow. Like it's one that if a Creek gets, you know, if it's going straight for a good while, it's sooner or later, it's going to build up a little bit of, you know, a little bit of steam with the water. Right. Well, so therefore those, those little slight bends in the, in the Creek or the river or whatever, they're not going to make like that big of an impact on, on kind of stopping the flow of the water, but those big oxbows like that, that's going to put a little bit of dampening on, on, uh, on that, that stream flow. And I think that's kind of, that might not help them like, like find a spot to cross, but, but kind of like what you're saying, like, and what your golden rule is going to be is just, I guess I'll let you cover that later. So we talked about why map scouting matters. We talked about what to look for, saddle slash bench, oxbow, and edge. Edge is a really important uh, thing that we talked about. But I think another thing, the number one rule that I have for map scouting on where I pick to spend my time is diversity, diversity, diversity. You hear people in in, in real estate say, what's the, what's the number one most important thing for real estate? Have you ever heard it? Mm, no location 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 mm, okay. okay they say that's the that's the three well in in map scouting i say diversity 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 i'm looking for those places where everything comes together timber field water food i, I want all of those things hitting one spot and maybe you can dig a little bit deeper into the x marks the spot kind of terminology that you've x been using lately yeah, so just to be clear, I did not come up with this. I heard it on a podcast. I think his name is Parker McDonald. I I, I don't know. I heard it on the uh, Wired to Hunt podcast, but 
the most simplistic way to put it is wherever you think you're wanting to hunt, kind of draw an X in the area. And if each port, like uh, each corner of the X has a different either terrain feature or, or edge or just something, whether it be on the top right, you know, it has the water top left. It has the, the pine thicket uh, bottom left. It has the, the, the tall native grasses. And then there's just another train feature on the bottom right where all those connect more than likely there there's going to be deer. Right. And so that's, that's kind of basically how you break it down. So like to put an example, you have, uh, you talked about oxbows, right? So, uh, a lot of places that, that we've been looking to, uh, to hunt where we normally hunt in Oklahoma, we're kind of, we're trying to venture out a little bit more, maybe maybe do a little bit more spot jumping. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the scenery where we've been map scouting this this place because we really haven't hunted uh, this portion of the WMA, WMA yet. And uh, when you're talking about oxbows, it kind of reminded me, uh, and it also goes along with the X marks spot. You have an oxbow. Well, on that oxbow, yeah, on that oxbow, you have these fingers of uh, of woods. I don't know if you know a better way to explain it, but just, you know, you have those, those, those pine thickets, but they go out in like little fingers, like little draws. And let's say you have an oxbow and you have like kind of three kind of branching off somewhere around the, the, the oxbow. And then, which also meets usually where we hunt that tall grass. And so usually if you kind of go in there and you do a little boots on the ground, you maybe find like, like a little oak flat within the little pine thicket. I feel like that would be money. I agree. I think a, another way to, to break this down where people can understand it just by us talking about it is to use an example. An example I would use is if you looked in a 100-acre piece of timber, are there going to be deer in a 100-acre piece of timber? Absolutely. Probably. You're going to find beds. You'll probably find some sort of, some sort of browse. Uh, you know, you'll probably find some acorns. And there'll be deer in that 100-yard block of timber. But the place that I would rather hunt, besides walking in that 100-yard block of timber, is maybe on a creek system that runs through that timber that is on the edge of a field that leads to something else. Because I know at some point those deer are going to maybe walk by me in that big block of timber, but I know for sure that these edge creatures are going to use those different terrain features to travel and to get the things they want, food, water, bedding, safety, sex, all those things. They're going to use those things at some point. So I feel like finding those areas that have a bunch of different biological diversity and sitting in those places gives you a much better shot of having deer coming by in daylight hours than just sitting in one thing. If you go sit in the middle of a cornfield, could you shoot a deer? Probably. Maybe. You maybe, maybe you could. You'd but, see them. Yeah, you definitely see some. <laughs> but you know, we bow hunt most of the time. So being in in, in if you, the the different weapon that you use, the easier it's gonna be. If you use a muzzleloader or a rifle, you don't have to be as precise with these kind of things, right? You can be fifty yards off or a hundred yards off. But when we're talking about X marks the spot. With bow hunting, it, it really matters in being in those places that are extremely biologically diverse and being not in the right, the particular right tree, but in the right, you know, 10-yard segment that those deer are going to come by. For sure. For sure. I agree. 
Well, we another new thing that wanted to talk about is and it's kind of new, I guess. Three D map scouting. This is this new? I, I, I think it's pretty new. Uh, so, I think the last time I really looked at it, it was like in a oh, what do they call beta, that? Beta phase. Yeah, yeah. So you could do it, but you couldn't like download an offline feature of this or anything like that. And so I really didn't use it because the only time I was looking at it like super, super hard was last year. So, and it was still in the beta mode. So you probably know more about it than I do. Well, I know for a fact that HuntStand and Onyx both enable 3D mapping. It's a, definitely a better experience if you use it on your computer versus on your phone. I'm not sure if base map, HuntWise, a lot of those other ones do enable 3D mapping. But I would say before using 3D mapping, my number one complaint about map scouting was you walk into an area and you see the elevation changes with the lines, right? And then the circles mm -hmm. getting smaller and that's a peak, right? But it's hard to gauge like how steep those things are until you get into 3D. And yeah. now that I've gotten into 3D, it's a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> well, it, it kind of lets you uh, kind of put it in perspective. Just, just you know, after looking at the topo, and then you can go back and, and go on a three, the 3D mode. It kind of helps you put it a little bit into, into perspective. But uh, just to kind of, if someone doesn't know how to read a topo, let's say you're looking at it, and where you see the high, you know, obviously the high elevation, it'll it'll tell you the number. And then on the low elevation, it'll tell you another number. So you obviously know this is higher than this one. But what to look for is those lines in between. If you have lines that are that are like that are like super, super tight together, that shows an elevation change in a short distance. And uh, if you have those lines that are spaced out a little bit further, that's an elevation change, but at a longer distance. Uh, but kind of like what, what you were saying, uh, the 3D, it is a great way to to kind of put it into perspective just just how how great that elevation change is or is not. Yes, because a lot of times you think, and this happens a lot in the dark, is you think, okay, this is going to be a nice gradual decline. It's going to hit a bench down here, and it's going to be good. And then you get on it, and you're like, oh, I just lost 400 feet of elevation. Yeah. And you get down there, and you're about to puke one of your lungs out of your mouth. Just that's something to be to be mindful of. And I feel like those extremely steep elevations can help you narrow down areas where you don't want to hunt either. You know, you look at a spot that drops several hundred feet in a not a very long period. You're like, oh, no, that's not a gradual decline. It's a freaking cliff. Yeah. yeah. And you also got to take in, in, into consideration just like, OK, maybe you're trying to do that. Maybe you can overcome, you know, that cliff. Get on the other side. Maybe it plateaus. That's where you're going to hunt. Try to get away from people. Right. Well, you also got to keep in the back of your mind. Hey, am I going to want to drag a deer out of this if I am successful? Probably not. That's a good because point. I guarantee you, if you shot a deer at the bottom of the creek, yes, yes, uh, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. You know damn well one one of us, either me or Carol, probably aren't going to help you drag that one out, especially if it's a doe. There are certain spots that we find <laughs> in the mountains where we say, like friend to friend, we'll be like, "I swear to God, if you shoot a doe in here, you're dragging it out by yourself." Yeah. Or if you shoot one, it better be a damn giant. Yeah, that's some that gives you insight in that some of the spots we hunt. 
it better be a good one or we're not dragging out. But 3D mapping, I think, is something that you can utilize more than anything to just save you time when you get to the place of marking more spots off. I really think a lot of the map scouting game, and you might have a different opinion about this, Jake, but I think a lot of map scouting's purpose is to just get rid of stuff that's not huntable acreage or not stuff that your stuff that you think will have a lot of pressure and really narrow it down. Cause when we go, when we go scout and we're going into a 40,000 acre piece, we're only looking at three or four areas or five areas max. Mm -hmm. Right. And we could spend two months down there walking every acre of the property, but we don't, we use the map to tell us that we're not going to do that. Yeah. Which again, don't, don't just take that, take it with a grain of salt because what, looks good on a map might not look good in person and what doesn't look good. And that's kind of what you kind of want to find because nowadays everybody has on X, right? And so everybody's going to be looking and kind of keen in on those spots that, that you're seeing, like everybody knows like deer are edge creatures, right? With all the information that's available now, it's kind of hard to get away from people unless you just completely outwork them. Right. So like the spots you want to really, you know, take advantage of is, and you are right in in uh in a way like it'll help you narrow down where you really want to hunt but you also it'll also kind of help you like maybe find an area that doesn't look that that well you know that doesn't look that huntable on the map but is actually a very good spot and i think you can really teach somebody about this i can testify to this one this is my favorite thing i have killed uh I've killed two bucks on public in Oklahoma. I've killed one in one tree and then one probably in a tree 25 yards from that tree. And I have, I've only been walked up on in that spot one time. And that was because we were on a, we were on like a controlled hunt that had a lot of people there. But what I will say about this is the spot doesn't look like crap on How the map. How far is it off the, off the main road? 350 yards. Okay. So 350 yards off the main road. And the point here is I, I, I genuinely believe the only reason that it does not have multiple people sitting in trees right there is because it does not look like crap from the road. And another good point is there's not a parking spot. So mm -hmm. if you were to drive by and see my truck in this spot, you would go, where is he? Is he left? Is he right? Is he up into the left? He's up. Is he back into the right? You know, it just, there's no definitive, walking into this jokes spot. on you it's a ford and it's actually broke down <laughs> <laughs> i'm waiting on a ride <laughs> no but there uh th it doesn't look like anything on the map so that's why we say map scout with a grain of salt it, because things that look great on the map like you're saying could be crap and we've had multiple situations oh yeah, yeah. so many of those great More hikes, of those than great hikes the in the way. summer and all of a sudden we have to hike back up this little hill and 94 degree heat just because we got down there and nothing but hog beds and just like, well, that's awesome. Yeah. But the other way around, like we're saying is you can walk into a spot and it can, it can look like nothing on the map and it can be incredible. So keep your mind open when you're map scouting, don't get married to a spot. Don't mm -hmm. get married to a couple spots. Like use, this is what we talk about, like becoming woodsmen and all the trail cam stuff. Like use your brain. Like, Hey, this looks like a good deer spot, but I didn't have it marked in my map. We'll go check it out then. Map scouting can be valuable, and I think it has its its value, but it's not everything. And I feel like people they're getting a little people are getting a little uh, addicted to 
you know, sharing pins and be like, that's the spot I'm going to kill a giant. It's like, mm, maybe it's a good start, but, but maybe not. Yeah. To me, it's just to us, it's just a start, right? That's not to find the tree. It's to find an area and then read the sign and say, well, based on this area, this is where I actually think I should be. Yeah. I can guarantee you, you're not going to find a tree from map scouting because I can barely find the same tree after we put boots on the ground, after I mark it on Onyx from like me to the computer screen away. I'm like, okay, it's going to leave me right here. I still have trouble finding that tree. So for you to say that you can find a tree uh, just from map scouting, BS. I call BS. Now, this we did talk about this on the phone earlier. If you're a turkey hunter and you're looking for big cottonwoods on a river river bank or something like that, yeah, you might be able to find an individual yeah, but tree. Yeah, easy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm over here. Yeah, they'd let you know we're there. But, anyways, don't don't take everything we said today as gospel, and use your use your own diligence and woodsmanship too when you're map scouting. But even more important than map scouting, right? We're going to talk about next week, which is boots on the ground. And this mm, is uh, that'll be a good one. Yeah, this is this is one I love love to talk about and I hate to do. So. Mm-hmm. It'll be a it'll be a fun one next week, and I hope you guys got some value away from the map scouting. So, uh, just to reiterate, what is your one to four? Because I know you said that your your number two, or I, I guess your one to five. I know your two, three, and four would be diversity. Your number one is pressure. So, what's your number five? So I got in order. It was pressure. Mm-hmm. It was diversity. 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 <laughs> That's one, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. And then five would be edge. That's, edge. that's my things that I'm looking for. So if you want to take away two of the extra diversities, my top three would be I'm looking for places that I can avoid pressure. I'm looking for places that are extremely diverse, so multiple biological yeah, just environments like coming together. Features. Yeah, just yep, terrain, like all those things coming together. And then I'm looking for edges, which could be part of that diversity. But if I had to pick one of those yeah, out of the okay. benches, Oxbow would sure. be the edge. I like yeah. it. Well, what about you? What, what's your top three? Are they different than that? No, not really. Which, which it was kind of a, a crappy question because diversity. I mean, if you're talking, I mean, if you're talking about map scouting, diversity is like a broad, a super broad thing, right? Because you have the terrain. The terrain features, which could be, you know, like like the oxbows, the 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 saddles, and and all that, and then you have, it might be classified different, but then you have the edges, which edges of the pine, edges of the tall grass, stuff like that. So, I mean, those would probably be the top three: That's pressure, right. diversity, or terrain features, and then edges. That's right. Well, we've been hunting together too much. We have the same opinions. So you got to get different. Yeah, opinions. we need to get away, right? That's right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do in October, though. I want to put out some corn. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to mention anything about train features. I already have my stand hung. I need to get the trail camera out there, and I need to pour the golden nuggets out, and I can guarantee you October, none of that's going to be taking place. There we go. This is strictly for our public land, by the way. We do not map scout our private. No, there ain't no point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you guys are... uh, if you're still listening to this episode of us rambling, make sure to leave us a, a review on Apple podcast or Spotify and go sub to the YouTube. It's i uh, I'll put the link here in the bio. There's been a lot of other uh, good reviews. Yeah. We've been getting some really good reviews. I did want to read one review before we get off here from our 
this review, Chandler, if you're listening to the podcast, this review made my day the other day. He said, Chandler in 97 said, one of the best hunting podcasts there is. Always listen on my way to work or the way home. Chandler, you're the best. Buy and a hat. By the, buy a hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the way, we, for people that are listening, our episode 101 with Charles Beatty airs on 621 Tuesday, 8 a.m. So be on the lookout for that one. I know a lot of people have been waiting on it. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.